knew we'd uh, be getting as much baseball news after the World Series had concluded as, uh, you know, Craig Council absconds away to Chicago. He is introduced as Cubs manager yesterday. And let's just say you could tell by the scowl on his face uh, by the end of it that he uh, wasn't used to all the grilling questions that the reporters were giving him there. I, th- I think it actually is the most that Brewers beat writers, Brewers reporters actually grilled Craig Council on his whole tenure on questions. As by the end of it, uh, he didn't have, I think it was uh, on Obama fan, which is a great Brewers Twitter account, saying he didn't have Tom Hardicourt, uh, you know, pitching him up uh, softballs for him to hit out uh, home runs. As Craig was getting a little perturbed uh, out there uh, to the uh, media after after his presser with the Cubs, and then the Brewers uh, media members were like, hey, Craig, you know, any message for the Brewers fans? Hey, Craig, anything they could have done to keep you? Hey, Craig, why this, why that? And then, Rowdy, besides that, news coming out, looks like the Brewers have found their new manager in-house. Pat Murphy expected to be uh, getting the, the nod, the call-up. Good morning, brother. What's going on? You might have saw the scowl from Craig Council, but you know what I saw? The huge smile when he was being introduced. Oh, yeah. He, you can tell he wants to be in Chicago. All the Brewer stuff is all behind him, and he doesn't even want to talk about it. He doesn't even want to think about it. He is the Chicago Cubs manager. Yeah, the most uh, awkward I think he'll, he'll feel ever again is when he comes to American Family Field and gets booed for the first time. Other than that, I, I, I think he's just going to look at his bank account and be like, you know what, I think I made the right decision. And then he's going to look at his payroll. He's going to look at the players that he can go uh, and get with his uh, uh, new GM and president of baseball operations. Be like, you know what, this, this, this is a nice move. Yeah, and he was asked questions like that, and he had answers for them. And they might be slightly different answers than what he said, or at least according to some of the reports on how it went down and, and how he was feeling. Uh, reading the new comments... They kind of contradict some of the old comments. Yeah, but what were we joking about in the office yesterday before we left? Um, you know, Craig had said he didn't leave because of the money. Um, and the uh, well, the money as, as opposed to, like, what the Brewers can spend and whatnot. And then what did Craig say yesterday that we were making fun of? Well, one, he's like, this, you know, wasn't a decision made because of the Chicago Cubs having the ability to pay me more money. Yeah. Well, they do, and that's nice. And then his second one was like, well, this wasn't a decision because of where the two different franchises are at, as in the Cubs have the ability to spend more money and to bring in more players. They have more resources is what was said. That's the one. Okay, so you're telling me that that wasn't the difference maker, and then all of a sudden he comes into this presser and he goes, well, you know, it was kind of nice coming into Chicago where we have the ability to use more resources and uh, spend money and get play." He basically said the exact opposite thing of what he said on his exit interview with Milwaukee to his, what, intro for the Chicago Cubs? Yeah. I mean, what, what what am I supposed to what am I supposed to listen to? Is it the first one or the second one? Um, I think it's the second one, Rowdy. I think he was trying to appease people on his way out, and then he was able to be honest once he was out of the building and out of Milwaukee and in Chicago, and be like, now I can finally say what it is that I want to say. After all that went down, though, I kind of thought about it, and you're like, oh well, what which one of these do you believe for Craig? Is is he trying to appease the Milwaukee Brewer fans? who basically he just left or is he trying to appease the Chicago Cub fans with what he says? And then you think about it and you're like, okay, well say it wasn't say it wasn't about the actual salary that he was being paid or the fact that the the Cubs do have more resources. And let's be honest, the Cubs are a more attractive job in major league baseball than the Milwaukee Brewers. Hands down. Because of of the pay, because of the fact that you can get players, you have more money, you have more options. If that wasn't true, that he didn't, that's the reason. That's not the reason why he left. Then my reason would be back on Craig Council. Why did you leave? Because clearly the new challenge thing is a bunch of BS. Oh, yeah, totally. And then my other thing would be, and if that was the reason that you left... If it was, which, dude, I would 100% get it if you left because you wanted to be in a better situation to win a World Series. Totally, yeah. But if he did say that, 
then you would say, well, then all of your Milwaukee spiel about winning here and being a Wisconsin, Milwaukee, a brewer guy is all bull. Yeah. It's all BS. Yeah. That's, it's always been tough for Mark Ananasio when he doesn't so, want to bring in players, but this this one, I don't think you can paint with some of those comments. You can't paint Craig Council in a good light. No, not, no, not at all. Craig became even more of a villain after yesterday. Okay, you said something interesting there, Ruddy. You know, obviously the Cubs are um, a more attractive job. All right, uh, Pat Murphy is expected to be named the the new manager here. So when um, Mark Ananasio, after Craig left, Mark Ananasio said the whole staff was staying. Remember that. Uh, we said, the comment was the whole staff is staying, and we're like, why would that be? You know, there's going to be a new manager in here. Whatever. Well, Pat Murphy's here. Like you're 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 just throwing it. You're just running it back with a Craig Council disciple. Well, you know why the whole staff was staying? Because he probably didn't want to buy out their contracts. It, yeah, everyone was under contract for another season, and then you have Pat Murphy staying. Yeah, so. and if they went, if they went with you know somebody else, we'll just say they hired just for fun, David Ross. And David Ross brings his it brings in his entire coaching staff. They'd have to pay off everybody on the old Craig Council staff yeah. for that season, yeah. and then pay the entire new staff. And I'm pretty sure that David Ross would probably fetch a nice number. It's not Craig Council money, but he'll fetch some some good coin. They weren't gonna do that. No, nope, nope, nope. And by the way, this hire it hasn't been official yet. When it becomes official, when Pat Murphy becomes the Milwaukee Brewers' next skipper, <laughs> this is clearly this, a rebuilding this tank hire. Mode. This it's a it's a rebuilding hire for so many reasons. Yeah, this is this is you're gonna uh, the teardown is gonna happen pretty soon here. You're gonna be seeing the Brewers selling about everybody, and well, that's my inkling, anyways. Now, Roddy, you, what you said was interesting is, um, and I wanted to get your take on this. I'm sure you have it already figured out. You said, obviously, the Cubs are a more attractive position to manage a job. Of all the teams in the majors, where would the Brewers rank in an attractive position to take the skipper job? Easily bottom 10. Let's <laughs> just say, is it bottom five? It might be. I mean, I'd have to go right down the list and really dive into a lot of different numbers and stuff like that. Because it, it ain't a top job. If you weren't a Brewer fan... What would be the selling point for Milwaukee? Maybe if you're like a raging alcoholic, you could drink here. <laughs> there is none. There isn't. Yeah, it's not like you're. <laughs> it's not like you're going to be the highest paid. Get a driver and just booze hard. Do you do you really think that Mark Mark Ananasio would have ponied up for the most amount of money for a manager contract if that manager wasn't Craig Council and he didn't have ties to Milwaukee that he could help no. sell? No. I don't think he would. I don't think he would have either. If Craig Council was not from Milwaukee, if Craig Council did not have family ties to the organization, if Craig Council did not play for the Brewers, he, I don't think he would have ponied it up at all. Yeah, uh, he just would have walked away. Uh, our guy Muzz Infamous says Giannis Adenikumo is part owner. There's a there's something you get Giannis's autograph. Um, <laughs> maybe get courtside tickets to a Bucks game. So you know you're not going to get paid top dollar. Be paid sporadic. You're not going to get what you probably would deserve, especially if you're managing a good team. You don't have the resources and the payroll to go out there and and buy many players. It's occasionally an Andrew McCutcheon or a Mike Mustakis or a or a Yasmani Grandal when you when you do have you know a, a window in which you can win or by win, at least compete for a division or a wild card spot. So that's not that fun. There's how many other places we've seen even the San Diego's of the world go out and spend a ton of money. And speaking of the San Diego's of the world, it's a little warmer with nicer weather. Yeah. I get that. I get that Milwaukee is, it's not like these guys have to hang out here during the winter, but I'm sure some do. I know some that used to play on the team that, were lower level guys that did hang out in Milwaukee year round because they're lower level guys. They're not the guys that uh, made multi million dollars a year and could, you know, live in Florida or California for six months and then live in Milwaukee in an apartment for the other six months. Mm -hmm. And just in general, though, I mean, late Marches, April's, 
Even Corbin remember, Burns is like, hey, I don't want to pitch yeah, on this. Even sometimes into May, we've seen snow. For opening day down in Chicago. That, yeah, that's 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 not fun. Until Burns becomes a, a Cub. And clearly, even in some of the Octobers over the years, it gets pretty cold. So you're still going to be messing around with some cold. But it's not L.A. It's not San Diego. It's not Miami. Let's see. Um, you get you can get Giannis Adinokumbo's autograph because he's part owner. You can walk Hank the dog or Hank the fourth if you want. You can get booze, beer. Uh, it's part of the culture. Cheese. I'm trying to think what else. A paid Spranek, ex golf. You can hang out with her. What are some other positives? Some attractive things about you know managing the Brewers rowdy. Um, you maybe get to help christen the runner up if they ever build it in the parking lot. Oh, I know. You can help celebrate the 1982 team every year. You get that a ceremonial first pitch from the 82 team. And that's always fun. Um, anything else attractive about managing the Milwaukee Brewers besides the negatives? Any positives? I would say the biggest thing that Milwaukee actually has going for it is that that town in the state is a baseball state. Like people show up, whether the Brewers suck or not, they're always right around the middle of the league. When they're yeah. good, they're a top 10 team in the league. That's pretty impressive coming from the smallest market. So I would say the biggest selling point for Milwaukee is the fan base Tailgating. and the passion from the fan base. Other than that, I don't know, unless you unless you like smaller town feels, and, and I'm putting big quotes in that because <laughs> Milwaukee is a small town compared to L.A. or Chicago or New York. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so for big league baseball, it's a quote-unquote small town feel where that area is smaller. But then it's kind of funny to say it because what you sit here and you're from Dodgeville, which is clearly a small town. Dodgeville. I'm from a smaller town. 4,000 people, baby. Let's yeah, go. We have some of our affiliates like the Rice Lakes and the Marinettes are definitely smaller towns compared to where we broadcast out of Madison. Yeah. So it is funny saying small town Milwaukee. Well, small but, town uh, feel. Small town feel. Um, where, like, what does Giannis stay here? Remember, speaking of Giannis. because yeah, he can live his life without being yeah, dogged. And people don't bug him. Well, clearly the TMZs of the world will be all over him in New York yeah. or Miami um, or L.A. So they, there is a little bit of privacy. Yeah, Muzz, uh, our guy Jet says front row Amy. There you go. That's a draw. That's only a finite amount of time, too, though. Yeah. Uh, that's that's coming near its end. Story time with Bob Euchre. That's also finite amount of time. That's even more finite than front row Amy. That's going to be coming to an end, but yeah, you can. Yeah. You got the Fawn statue in Milwaukee. You got that. Um, yeah, in the parking lot and tailgating. Yeah, I mean, you, at least you got the passionate fan base. You have the passionate fan base. It, we'll get to Craig Council comments. And speaking of passionate, Craig Council saying he really underestimated the reaction of Brewers fans. Did you though? Did you did, did you really think, Craig? That Milwaukee Brewers fans wouldn't be upset about you going to the Chicago Cubs. Did you really think that they would be okay with it? I'm going to say that I think Craig Council underestimated the anger from Brewer fans about as much as the front office underestimated the loss of Josh Hader in 2022. <laughs> well, that coincides. We were talking about this yesterday off air, Rowdy, after the show. Was Craig Council, uh, what did he say? He was talking, uh, the timeline adds up. He said it was like the last two years that he was thinking about peace. Yeah, he's out. been thinking about managing somewhere other than Milwaukee for the last couple of years or so, I believe is what he said. Well, Two years ago would have been the Josh Hader summer and trade. And clearly he had to be a company man and go up there and, and you know, kind of say the the things you expected him to say. But you could tell he wasn't thrilled about it. And it was just kind of the hemming and hawing that he does quite a bit. And a lot of the guys on the team weren't happy. And, and clearly if the guys on the team weren't happy, I think you can probably guess that some of the, the coaching staff was also not happy. Yeah. The, like there's that. And then again, I still can't get over this fact. And they, I don't think that David Stearns, who was the GM at the time was happy, but again, he had to say the company lines and yeah. was like, yep, yep. This is what yeah. we're doing. I just can't get over the fact that Craig council said he underestimated the response from Brewers fans. Have were you asleep at the wheel ever since you've been manager or played for the Brewers against the Cubs? Like, do you not understand rivalries? 
I mean, Rowdy, what does college football really predicate themselves on? Rivalries, right? Like rivalry games. Hell, it's not really a rivalry, but they try to drum it up. We got the Fe- Freedom Trophy coming up here on Saturday. And then the real rivalry is the weekend after. What's that, Rowdy? Minnesota. What do they play for against Wisconsin? Paul Bunyan's axe. Wouldn't you say that that rivalry, those, uh, that hatred runs deep because of rivalry? How does Craig Council not know his biggest rival is the Chicago Cubs? And, you know, just speaking on that Wisconsin rivalries, I feel like the only one is really Minnesota. Yeah. Like, I get get that they have trophies for Iowa and and Nebraska. I get it. But, I mean, the Heartland Trophy, that feels like it was manufactured and really pushed, and especially the Freedom Trophy. Oh, I mean, no one even cares about the Freedom Trophy. I think think maybe a tiny faction care about the Heartland, and then no one cares about the Freedom Trophy. Craig, I underestimated the Brewers fans. Oh, that's why this week has been hard. Stop it, Craig. That's the instrumental to Nas's song, Life We Chose. Off of Nostradamus. Decent enough album. But boys, Life We Chose. Craig Council chose to be the life of a Milwaukee Brewer. What we thought possibly a Milwaukee Brewer... Kind of felt like a lifer to a degree. And then uh, you started sniffing around, thinking about it, and then became the Judas of the Brewers. Craig Council goes and he becomes Chicago Cubs manager out of literally nowhere. And things are now set in motion that can't be undone. Council proclaiming that he, um, he underestimated the reaction that Milwaukee Brewers fans would have. Guys, Bef- they didn't see it coming. Before I play a little uh, council here, let me ask you guys. Do you think Craig's that dense? No. no. When, what? Why say I underestimated the response from Milwaukee Brewers fans? Is he trying to placate to them, to the media, and from the Chicago Cubs? Like, there's no way. You're the manager of the Brewers. You know the history. You know the rivalry. How you can honestly sit there with a straight face and say, I underestimated their reaction is is mind-boggling to me. Mm -hmm. How how do you explain it? Is he just playing nice to the media? I basically just had two takeaways from his entire presser. (laughs) One, it's the first time I think I've really seen Craig Council look pissed. And that was when some of the Milwaukee Brewer beat writers of the Wisconsin, you know, journalists were pressing him a little bit for some answers about, you know, fans or or the Brewers organization. Because I think we've all seen Craig Council where he looks disheveled and he's frustrated. Yeah. Where he's just like, man, I don't even know anymore. Like our team's not playing well, and he takes his hat off, and he's always like his messing with his hair. Up, yeah. yeah. We've seen those looks, but that's like looks of like frustration and just like, uh, I don't know what to do and say. This was just like, don't ask me that question. <laughs> like, this was like, Why this was like, yeah, that? this was like anger. Like, really? <clears throat> really? We're going to do this now? You're going to ask that question? You want me to answer that? Yep. Like, it was actual, like, you could see it in his eyes. There was a little bit of being upset and pissed off about those questions. <laughs> well, here you go. Here is Craig Council on the reaction of Milwaukee Brewers fans. Take a listen to Gregory. Here you go. I underestimated that reaction for sure. Um, Miscalculation on my part for sure. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't feel good. No, no, it does not feel good. Um, And it's probably been why, this is why I said it's been an emotional week for me. Um, Today really helped. You know, like today really helped. Um, and I, I understand I have to, you got to live with that and, and it's real for people and it's what they're experiencing. It's what fans experience, man. It, it's being fan, being a fans, being emotional. And, and I'm cool with that, man. That's why we're all here. Um, I do think that I, I am confident that what I did, what, you know, how we performed the experience we gave our fans in Milwaukee over the last nine years was good. I know that that was good. So I do, and I do think that will age well, and so I have to be comfortable with this, that this, the, the upset, the, the fact that people are upset, He's um, searching. Will, will heal a bit yeah. over time. He is searching for words. And Craig, when you uh, first announced that it comes manager, I wanted to take all of your records, everything you've ever done, your win loss record as a manager, as a player, and just scratch out what all of it. <laughs> I always go back to Rudy. Everything you ever did or said is bull. Yep. What as Brewer fans do we want? Second place, a World Series, a World Series. Oh, oh! What did Sorry. he say there You're in not that wrong, interview? 
He said, we did good. You know, when we look back on it, I think it'll age well. What we did was good. I think it'll age well. No. That tells me that um, he doesn't think there's going to be a whole lot of good here in the, the near future for the Milwaukee Brewers. If if he's jumping ship and saying, my tenure, you know, we're going to look back and say, that was pretty good. That doesn't, okay. that doesn't make me feel good about the future. It means he jumped ship because he didn't see anything that's, that was so great coming up in the future. He knew that it was going to be a time for, you know, some down seasons because you had to reload. You had to find some new players. You had to grow some of the guys in the minor league system. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of growing, um, Craig was asked on leaving Milwaukee and trying to rebuild relationships while in Chicago and also about you know, Chicago itself. It's been an emotional week, like no bones about it. Uh, much harder than I imagined. Um, the, the, just the speed at which this happened and um, 17 years of relationships, you know, that all just, that hits you hard. Um, truthfully, that hits you really hard. The Brewers have meant a lot to me. Um, I have great relationships there. The relationships I have there are the relationships that I am going to try with all of me to build in Chicago. They're what's important about this game. The connection to the people is what makes this thing go. Um, it's the connection to the staff. It's the connection to the players. It's the connection to the fans. And that is the challenge I have ahead of me. It's a big one. It takes time. Um, but it's the one that I have to get right. Now, he realizes that he severed all connection with the Milwaukee Brewers, their fan base. Every, like he, he talks about how relationships are built in baseball. He realizes all of them are now cut with the Milwaukee Brewers, right? Yeah, I think the more that you see play out with some of these interviews and the more angry you see Brewer fans because of some of the answers given in said interviews, yeah. I feel like the only way for Craig Council to right this wrong would be to somehow get back into the Milwaukee Brewers organization, whether that be manager or GM, and win a World Series. Or else there's no I, other way. Or else I don't think there is another way. I never, mm-hmm. I will never look at Craig Council ever the same ever again. Uh, um, the biggest fanboy I knew of Craig Council, Grant Bills, who would die for Craig. He'd put his hand on a blade for him. He'd catch a grenade for him. He uh, lived long enough to see him become the villain. Yeah, Grant is called. He's like he actually called him a scumbag. Dead. Saw that. Like, I'm not gonna say anything else, but he's a scumbag. And that was the guy that would have wiped his own, his ass for him if he was in a nursing home. Grant wiping Council's ass. Yes. Well, the other way around. That's why you don't put anyone on a pedestal. Uh, yeah. And here you go. Here's one more from Craig. business we chose. On pushing himself with a new challenge in Chicago. As you go through this process, there's, there's, you know, when you're trying to just figure out life, really, um, there's, there's self-reflection and you're, you're kind of trying to figure out what to do. And I think at some point over a, you know, really a pretty long time span, I just thought that a, a new challenge was where I had to push myself. Um, and really that's, you know, it's about growth and it's about just trying to like push yourself to a place that you're not, you're not at right now. And that's, that's scary. Like, you know, I'm sitting up here, I'm a little scared. Um, I'm sitting up here, you're a little uncomfortable, but that's how you get to a better place. And then he also talked about Rowdy, um, the kind of the ability, and, and that was specifically those answers were to Milwaukee Brewers reporters. Uh, he did meet with the score ahead of time before that and talked about, you know, Chicago's Cubs stuff. And he basically said, about what about money? That wasn't the reason. And then he kind of said in the, uh, the presser yesterday that it was kind of the opportunity to have more money, though. Yeah, more, well, it was more money as in resources, and the team could have the ability to buy players or make trades and, and basically have the ability for better rosters. Now, my biggest takeaway from the entire interviews or clips of the interview that I've seen from Craig Council, something, one of the things that was said to us as Brewer fans on the exit kind of interviews isn't true. At least one of them can't be true. And the first one was, well, you were a Milwaukee guy through and through. You love the Brewers. You were always going to be here. It's your hometown team, blah, blah, blah. So either you that that whole persona was a lie 
or the fact that the Cubs job is a better job and it wasn't about the money or it wasn't about about resources or it wasn't about the ability to go get players or that was a lie. Because yeah. one of them has to be a lie. Yeah, from what they you said, both can't be true. From what you've said in, in your exit interviews and what you've said now at, in your intro interviews with Chicago, one of those two has to be false. Yep. Uh, before we hit break, your news is weird coming up. Our, let's see, Jay Schiller on Twitch. Good morning, Jay. Wouldn't the ultimate challenge be taking the Brewers to a World Series? Yeah, we we said that many times when it first all went down because Craig Council says ready for a new challenge. The ultimate challenge is getting the Milwaukee Brewers or the four other teams that haven't won a World Series to a World Series. I would say the Brewers would probably be the toughest. There's your biggest challenge, not the Cubs. Say hello to what is going to be your new manager, not yet officially named, but Ken Rosenthal put it out there, then a source confirmed to MLB.com of Adam McKelvey that the Brewers are finalizing plans to promote Pat Murphy, the manager. Expected they will uh, name former Milwaukee Brewers infielder Ricky Weeks to fill Murphy's former spot, too, on the staff. But the club has not yet confirmed it, but that's where all signs are pointing. Yeah, I mentioned this uh, earlier in the show. Actually, the opening segment when we talked about kind of the Craig Council and Pat Murphy news that kind of coincided together. When I saw this, you know what my first initial thought was? This is the exact hire that you're going with if you're going into a rebuild. Oh, yeah. Like, the rebuild's on in my mind. And the reason for that is, clearly, Mark Ananasio came out and said, this staff is staying here. They are not following Craig Council. They are all under contract for another year. So they, A, didn't want to pay these buyouts and then pay a whole nother new staff. And B, they're bringing up Ricky Weeks, who, according to a lot of sources, is kind of like the rising star in the organization that could be a future manager. So you also get to bring him up and see what he has and what he can bring to this team. But I think the reason why we're going to see a huge rebuild here, this is who Pat Murphy is. Pat Murphy was a longtime college baseball coach we all know that when Craig Council brought him in it was made you know pretty relevant that hey this was Craig Council's coach at Notre Dame he coached at Notre Dame for a long time coached at Arizona State for a long time if you look at what he's done in professional baseball uh, even after you know in the coaching aspects he's worked around in the front office with the scouting he's been a bench coach interim manager once this feels like a guy that I guess you would say coming from a background of a college coach, a minor league, you know, coach slash manager, a front office background with scouting. He's like an old timer that's been around the game. He's more of a quote unquote teacher, I guess you would say. And he's finally getting his opportunity because it's going to be a lot of young players that you're going to be trying to develop them. So if you're going to have a bunch of young guys, why not bring in a good quote teacher, a guy that's been around a while and he's, he's, you know, put in his dues. He he's done a lot and he never was a full-time manager. I think he was an interim once in San Diego right before the brewers. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really the only taste of a true major league manager. He's always had, like he has put his time in, he deserves a job like this. And if anything, I bet this is a one, maybe two year type rebuild manager hire. And then you give him the opportunity to be like, Hey, you put your time in, you've earned this. If you can do something and exceed our expectations in a year or two, maybe we would potentially think about, uh, will we see Ricky weeks as a manager for the Milwaukee Brewers within the next couple of years? Uh, Pat I don't, Murphy is now it, and he is taking over Pat Murphy's role. Ricky Weeks. I think Pat Murphy is for sure in there for this year, maybe one more year, but we'll have to see. But I, I do think this is the hire, if you, or this is a type of hire for the rebuild because you want a guy that's a good teacher helping these young kids and prospects learn because yeah. – it appears they're going to be selling off everyone, and I think this is the first. This was the the teardowns coming. If if the we'll talk um, more about it coming up. Reports coming out of the GM meetings, the winter meetings of a rebuild, wasn't the first sign. I think this has to be at least the first or second sign that a rebuild is 
coming up soon. All right, Pat Murphy, expected to be your new Brewers manager. Rowdy Murphy served as uh, the bench coach since 2016, Council's first full year in Milwaukee. Long history with Counts, having coached him at Notre Dame in the early 90s. After moving on from the Irish in 94, Murphy was then the manager of Arizona State for 15 seasons. Led the Sun Devils to four Pac-12 titles and made three chips to the College World Series, finishing as a runner-up in 98. Uh, the 64-year-old left the college game following the 2009 season. He joined the Padres as the special assistant to baseball operations. Also managed a couple of organization uh, minor league clubs, including the Eugene Emeralds, the Tucson Padres, and the El Paso Chihuahuas. And then when Bud Black was fired in 2015, Murphy took over as the interim manager, where he went 50, or 42 and 54 before leaving for Milwaukee to team up with Craig. There what you are go. your There's thoughts on the hire? This thumbs is, up, thumbs down. This is the, eh. if I'm Mark Anasio and looking at the books, thumbs up. As we get to retain the staff, don't have to pay out anybody. Uh, it's a Craig Council light. You get to keep, I, I assume it's kind of a similar philosophy. And you get a guy, you give him a chance who's been there for a long time and see how he does with a roster that's going to be depleted. Uh, is, it, is, it, it's, is it low risk, high reward? I see it as more of a or high risk, low, more of a eh, higher. It's not sizzling at all. It's, it's a guy that you know. It's like a placeholder. It's a guy that you know in the organization because he's been there since 2016. So he's been around. He knows people, but he also knows the young guys that are on this roster and that have been in the organization. And if he's coming from more of the college game or the minor league game or the front office, it's more about growing players and helping them learn. So I totally understand that if they go into a rebuild with a bunch of young guys and he already knows a good chunk of them, the continuity could maybe pay a bit of a dividend, a dividend where moving forward, you know, these guys get comfortable. They learn more and more things. They take the next year or two of, of growing but I think long term, Pat Murphy's not the manager. No, it's just this, like a placeholder. This feels like a year or two manager situation. I don't see it going past more than a year or two unless they just knock out of the park early and like they hit the ground running and things play out. But yeah, it feels like a very much so rebuild type hire. Well, I mean, when Mark and Anazio, when Craig announced. That's why I'm indifferent on it. When Craig announced he was leaving, and Anazio was like, we're keeping the whole staff, the whole coaching staff. And we're like, oh, okay. Uh, that's kind of whatever. And then here's why. Pat Murphy was always going to be the manager. Because if they went, if they would have went out and tried to get one of the bigger names, like the uh, Mike Shield or the Don Mattingly, maybe try and persuade A.J. Hinch out of uh, Detroit, like that's a big name that wants to come in and win or at least have the ability to be good. I think the writing on the wall is, especially with some of the things Craig Council has said here, I don't think the Brewers are going to be very good coming up. And, and I don't think anyone's anticipating that. You ready for the fire sale? So that's why it's meh to me, because in reality, couldn't you have hired about anyone? If you're if you're going to give Craig... In, in theory, if you're going to rebuild and you're just going to yeah. be horrible. Now, I get maybe it means something because... There's a lot of experience here for Murphy and continuity with the being in the college ranks in the minor leagues before helps with that. But uh, in theory, you could have hired anyone and they would be losing. Craig Council says, you know, I underestimated the Milwaukee Brewers fandom of going to Chicago. It's like, uh, uh, man, I was uh, going 125. I didn't I underestimated the cops pulling me over and give me a ticket. Hell, you lose your license, but in jail for that. Uh, I underestimated there would be conflict in the Middle East. I didn't, I didn't realize that would happen. Oh, this pizza I just took out of the oven, it's really hot. I underestimated the heat. How did I burn the roof of my mouth? That still gets me sometimes. Yeah. It's, um, let's see here. What else, Rowdy? Um, oh, I just poured this coffee out of uh, a freshly brewed pot. Oh, I burned my tongue. I, I, didn't, I underestimated the heat. Uh, let's see here. You, know, you, you go on and on and on with these. We welcome in Andrew Wagner. I underestimated how handsome this fellow is. Good morning, Andrew. Yeah, I'm here now. T-Mobile, be better at your job. I, I got T-Mobile. I underestimated how crappy they would be at coverage. You know, so it's yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Andrew Wagner, Forbes.com. You can check him out by Andrew Wagner on Twitter. Uh, Andrew, you had messaged me. This is before the Pat Murphy news. 
essentially that you were going to have just one scathing, lambasting, just fire article about Craig Council. Then what happened? Yeah, it's it's on hold because, you know, I had to rewrite a story because the Brewers went out and hired somebody, allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, not confirmed yet, but sources saying. Yeah, and when is sources ever wrong? But no, it, it makes sense. I mean, that that that's the logical guy to hire. Andrew. I mean, yeah. And, well, we'll get to that. I just, I, another one came to my mind. I spent all this oh. money at the strip club, and I underestimated that the stripper wouldn't love me. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're going home alone. I underestimated that I'd be going home alone. Like, <laughs> didn't buy lotion, and I underestimated it'd be calluses. It's is is Craig Council really like? What is? I would love to get in the mind of him. How did how did he honestly could say I underestimated the reaction of Brewers fan? When I went and went full Judas on them and went from the Brewers to their most hated rival, the Chicago Cubs. Anyone who still thinks that this is some sort of cheapskate operation by Mark Ottenazio that didn't want to pay Craig Council, um, all they got to do is watch or listen to Council's comments yesterday during the presser. And man, did he put on a show? I mean, that guy has a career in WWE with the way that he worked the mic. Good <laughs> Lord. I mean, listen, he, he said all the things that you need to hear. Oh, he's been thinking about this for, for a couple of years now. Well, that explains a lot. You know, uh, this was never about the Brewers. This isn't about sending a statement to the owner. This isn't about an F. This is all about Craig. I mean, the guy is an ego guy. It's blatantly obvious to anyone that's talking for five minutes, and yesterday was further proof. Um, I mean, it was that what a lot, what a line of crap. I mean, that that's the biggest line of crap ever. Oh, I underestimated. Really, you really thought people were going to be like, oh yeah, you. You know, I guess that's what happens when you live in a <laughs> oh, yeah, delusional you. world long enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, and, and the, the main the main thing that I was going to write was, you know, good for Craig. Like, if this has been your dream job, okay, cool. Well, now we're going to see just how smart the delicate genius is. I mean, he hadn't made in Milwaukee. He never had to accomplish anything. He he could always hide behind being the hometown boy, and when things fell short, he could always, you know, blame the small market, economic realities, blah blah blah. Now he's going to be in a situation where. He's got all the money in the world uh, in terms of payroll. He has got owners that are going to spend money, uh, a team that's printing money, uh, a general manager who's charged with going out there and getting the best talent, realistic World Series or bust expectations, and he can't hide behind you know, the things that he was able to hide behind in Milwaukee. He doesn't have that hometown hero to protect him. What's going to happen if the Cubs – do what the Brewers did a couple of years ago. They're rolling through an easy division, and then they go into that month-long swoon and then get bumped out in the first round of the playoffs. Honeymoon's so, going to be over then, and he's not going to have anything to hide behind. So in Chicago, he can't say, don't disturb the delicate genius when he's don't there? Don't disturb. We mustn't disturb the delicate genius. So, Andrew, I'm... I know you've you know you covered the Brewers and you've been around Craig a lot, um, a lot of, and I know you take offense to this. I'm going to say it anyway, so I don't really care. Show's called over the line. That Milwaukee reporters always serve Craig Council softball questions. They're never hard on him. They always want to tell him how handsome he is, how great of a job he's done, and they'll never question him. First of all, is that true? And then second no, of all, it's total BS. Is it though? It is total. Well, first of all. A lot of the questions that we ask him don't get aired. You know, it's not like people are running full press conferences. Yeah, after the game, there's stuff on there. But, you know, if you're a good reporter and you're on the beat every day, you know what you're going to get an answer to. You know what you're not going to get an answer to. So you're not going to waste your time. Two, you know what's going to get a reaction out of someone, and you're not trying to make a sound bite. We save that for the, the radio weeds and the TV jocks that are going out there. And three, a lot of the the, the top questions we ask come during the pregame gag or when we're sitting there and it's just, you know, two or three of us and we're trying to get an answer out of him. And usually he'll talk down to us, talk around us, swat it down and felt the question. I mean, it's my team. I see this on Twitter all the time. Oh, you guys don't ask tough questions. Yeah. There's a lot of reporters that don't ask tough questions, but good reporters 
know when to ask questions and know how to ask them. Well, my, and you're not going to sit there and, and waste time. My second question was, I felt like Craig got kind of um, uh, some tough questions thrown his way, finally, from the Milwaukee Beat reporters, because by the end of that, Rowdy, how would you describe Craig Council's face by the end of that? Yeah, he looked very annoyed and pissed off, as in, like, don't ask me that. Like, why are you asking oh, me thought- this? I texted Kurt Hogg and said I thought Craig was going to kill you at one point. <laughs> I mean, I said you're getting you're getting the Andrew Wagner treatment. Like Kurt had replaced me as Council's top whipping boy last season. I mean, it's pretty obvious. But I heard you know, I, I saw I, a funny I, tweet. Someone said, "Yeah, he doesn't have Tom Hardicourt there to tell him how handsome and great he is at, at baseball." I laughed. I laughed my ass. I was like, off "That's funny. That. That's funny." That was that there. Yes, I will give you that. But I mean. When I was there, we asked tough questions. Adam asked tough questions. Todd asked tough questions. Kurt asked tough questions. But nine times out of ten, Craig won't answer him. No one will answer him. So it, it's I, – I don't understand when I see this. Like, oh, you guys will – how many times are we supposed to ask him, Craig, what are you going to do next season? When he said, I'm not – I'm not – I don't have – nothing has changed. So – You know, at, at some point you just kind of sit back and say, this is not worth my time. Clearly, after listening to some of the stuff that he said, responding to some of the Milwaukee Brewer reporters' questions, it it came clear to me that one thing at least had to be true. It was the, you know, I'm a Wisconsin guy. I want to make baseball in Milwaukee and specifically Wisconsin better. I want to win a World Series with the Brewers. Either that's not true or the fact that he didn't think that he could get it done with the resources and the money that the Brewers were willing to spend. Because what, the, the, two, the things that he was saying, one of those has to be a lie. Because he said it was not about the money, it wasn't about the resources, and you know he's just looking for new challenge. It wasn't about staying in one place, even though he already said he's a Wisconsin boy. He wants to win here. He wants to bring good baseball here. One of that has to be a lie. Andrew, Andrew, and there we go again. You're back. You're back. T-Mobile. Yep. <laughs> if you don't think this is about the money, and by the money I mean the money that he gonna, he's going to get every two weeks from the Ricketts family, you're crazy. Um, I, I do believe that this had nothing to do with the Brewers' resources, the Brewers' money, anything like that. I truly believe this had everything to do with the money he's going to get and his own ego. I mean, that's what it comes down to. His, his own ego. ego. And, and I don't I don't blame anyone for that. I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I'll turn down jobs for higher-paying jobs any day of the week. So you think but, it was more of a the Wisconsin persona, the Wisconsin Brewers guy was more of the the lie? I mean, it was he was he's Craig would be a very good politician. Let's put it that way. Interesting. I mean, he knows he knows his audience. He knows what to say. I mean, just listen to the way that he was talking about how special Wrigley is and how much he admires it, and go back and listen to him talk about Wrigley coming in there when yeah. he was with the Brewers. I mean, listen. Yesterday was a political event. It was it was right on brand for this time of year. He said all the right things, and everyone's loving him and loving him. And oh, he's a Cub now. Yeah, it's. That's how this stuff goes. That's how this stuff goes. Well, I mean, mean, you get someone up on the podium and they're wearing a suit, right? Or I guess this a uniform. Politicians lie through their teeth. All they do is lie, 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 lie. And then you get a GM up there or a manager like Craig Council. Well, is he lying this time or does he actually believe what he says about Wrigley and uh, the Chicago Cubs? It's very Judas. It's very. This could be the most ultimate stab you in the back Wisconsin sports yeah. thing to ever happen. I'll give Wrigley I Field think, credit where credit's due. I do admire them for one thing. They have troughs. It's easier to get in and out. I agree with that. Just I keep your eyes on the road. And I will say this. I will say this. And I don't care. The press box sausages at Wrigley Field are a million times better than the crap they have at American Family <laughs> Field. I think at one point though, weren't the Brewers charging reporters to 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 eat? Or was, was that they was always it? they've always charged baseball always charges to eat. That's insane to me. Like that's crazy. That's I mean it's fine. I don't mind it. But just make sure that we get something like for the post pandemic when they were serving us box lunches, <laughs> the same thing for three straight days and charging fifteen bucks a pop. No thank you. That's so funny. Maybe it was the Bucks that started charging too. Um did the Bucks charge? For No. Ah, what the hell was it then? 
They give us they give us vouchers now. Oh, maybe that's what the, the biggest slap in the face I ever, well, not slap in the face, is I went to the Outback Bowl and they didn't even serve Outback food. It was, uh, it was like pulled pork. It was, Texas it was like pulled pork and like a, those, you know, the hot dogs. Uh, and the so you're like at a water. crappy graduation party in Wisconsin. Yeah. Was there a cooler that said beer and another one that said not beer? No, there, no, there was soda, and trust me, those, and you know, Andrew, those reporters, especially the big ones, those boys pound soda. Oh, oh, you wonder how they stay so big. All right, so Andrew, uh, I'll talk about Pat Murphy then. What is this move? What is, this is like the retaining the whole staff. Is this a cheap move for Metanazio not to have to buy out coaches and then kind of no. just keep everything I mean, as guys- it is? Those guys were re-signed before before Council made his decision. You know, all those coaches were already locked in. The only one that wasn't was Murph. And listen, the guys love Murph. This is not a cheap thing. This is this is the right guy for the job. I mean, the players lost the only manager they've known for the most part. Um, the guy that's been around forever. And, and this is continuity. It's the same thing when they when they brought Chris Hook up to replace Derek Johnson. Continuity is big. They want to keep keep the lines of communication open between the front office and the clubhouse. You need the right person for that, someone who understands how things work, someone who understands every player in that room, someone who can relate to them. That's been Murph. Murph has been the go-to guy. He's been Craig's right-hand man. And everyone thinks he's just a carbon copy. He could not be more different than Craig Council uh, in any possible way. For starters, Pat Murphy has a personality. Look at that. Like... He's a he's a good dude. He's a great baseball mind. I mean, he he has very limited major league managing experience. He had just that partial season in San Diego, mm-hmm. um, which is why he had to wait a year to come to come work with Council. But the guy was an insanely successful NCAA head coach, and I know it's not the same thing. But the guy knows baseball. He knows baseball. Knows the game. Knows how to relate to players. Um, has a great personality. Is a smart dude. Um, he, he's, I think it's a great hire for this situation. It's a great hire because you need someone that's in there that the player know and can turn to because they're going to feel spurned by this. Their guy went to their arch rival. They're pissed off. I mean, they'll say all the right thing, but you know, to a man, they're going to be pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. They got the right guy in there. Andrew, I know that there were rumors coming out of like the GM meetings talking about how the brewers are open to trading basically everyone or a lot of guys, do you think that this is kind of the first signal hiring Pat Murphy that this a rebuild is coming? And I, I think it is because when you were talking there and we talked about this earlier, he is a really good college coach. He's a really good teacher of the game. He's been a guy that's been around forever. He was in the you know front office a little bit, minor leagues. What are they doing in college and in the minor leagues? Developing players. It's going to be a young team that needs to develop and it needs to get better. It feels like this could be a stopgap hire, but it could be a decent hire for a young team that's looking to grow. I mean, whether or not they, they go into a rebuild or a reach or whatever the hell you want to call it, it's still going to be a young team next year. I mean, you look at you look at the guys that are going to form the core of this team moving forward, um, you know, Freddie, Ashby, those, you know, young kid outfielders, the prospects they have right on the horizon, Terang, like even if they keep Adamus and Burns and Woodruff and everyone else, you're still going to have a really young team. You're not exactly screaming with veterans. Um, the good thing is with Murph, he connects to veterans very well, just as much as he connects to the young guys. So I don't look at it as a sign of anything. I look at it as a sign of the Brewers value continuity. You can call it cheap. You can have your shots at it, but they value continuity. And there is a benefit to that. Whether you agree or not, there's a benefit to continuity in any business or industry. So I, I don't know if it's a sign of anything. I just think it's Matt Arnold sat down and realized this is the best guy for this group at this time. If it's the, it's still the best move you, two years from now, who knows? But you, right now, this is the right guy. Do you think the Brewers aren't cheap? Like I have a sixth sense, right? And Jerry Seinfeld would say to George Costanza, cheapness is not a sense, but do you sense cheapness from the Milwaukee Brewers, Andrew? No, I don't no. because I've seen it. It's I've seen them spend money like idiots and it hasn't worked out well. Um, 
they, they, they have no, yeah, Andrew, no but money. when there's a prize free agent like Andrew McCutcheon okay, on the market, you got to go get him. Hey, they, hey, hey, Morgan and Ozio said they were in, they were in on Juan Soto, okay? They were in on Juan Soto. I mean, I'm not going to, I can't say much about that, but. Well, that's what he said. You and I have had that discussion. So. <laughs> What were we talking about? Cheapness. <laughs> I just hate yeah. that Mark Ananasio, that comment about having to go get hey, McCutcheon. They yeah, s- 10 years late, bud. They spent money, too. They signed Trevor Rosenthal to the team, okay? They spent money. Well, I mean, what what, what is what is it that people want? I mean, are you pissed that they didn't get Garrett Cole or Bryce Harper? I mean, that's people are, are, are ticked off at times about not going out and getting so-and-so free agent. And they fail to look at all they see is the name. They don't see the numbers. Would you rather pay a guy that's going to hit, you know, two forty, uh, ten million dollars as his name, or five hundred fifty thousand dollars because he's the first or second year guy who's still got room to grow? I mean, that's David Stearns finally taught Mark that just opening your checkbook does not guarantee victories. I mean, that's a hard lesson to learn. Look no further than David Stern's current employer. How much did the Mets spend? Yeah, the Padres. And what what did they do with the deadline? Well, exactly. All everyone's like, oh, look at the Padres. They're a small market team. They're doing what the Brewers should have done. How'd that work out for the Padres? Not well. Bally Sports screwed them. Yeah, Bally Sports also left them in the dark, you know? Chat has nothing to do with the fact <laughs> that they played like crap. Oh, that's true. No, no, but uh, the financial side of things, <laughs> that's what broke their back. Will we see? I mean, no, because they still got all their money. Will we see? The Padres still got all their money. Will we see Ricky Weeks as a manager in, a, in the next couple of years here? He's taking over Pat Murphy's position. Pat Murphy now the manager. Look at the I ascension mean, there, of Ricky, it, Ricky Weeks. That's usually a stepping stone. Look at one of the guys that, that was bandied about as being a potential candidate, uh, Joe Espada with the Astros. Joe Espada. Um, there's out, a bench coach is such a... People are make. I, I saw people losing their crap over over the rumor that Ricky was going to be named the bench coach. I'm like, do you understand anything about how this works? Like, to quote the office, I understand nothing. The, nothing. Like, this is a way for him to get more experience. Because yeah, eventually, I think he's going to be a manager. I mean, that's the path that he's chosen over the last couple of years. Um, when he came back, was it 2020 or 21 for his? wall of fame or walk, whatever you want to call it, enshrinement. He was talking about how he had gone back to school and he, he wanted to get in the front office, wanted to get back in the game, was looking to do some coaching. The Brewers brought him on and he's been highly regarded uh, by the guys that he's worked with throughout the Brewers system. Like this guy, sometimes guys just have it. Um, and he's got it. apparently Ricky's got it. So this is the way for him to get some in-game experience on the bench He's a guy that can relate to a lot of the younger dudes on the team. Um, it's just a sounding board, you know, and you'll see this. If you've got a, a veteran manager, you go out and you, if you've got a young manager, you usually go out and get a veteran guy to be your bench coach. And if you're a veteran manager, you're going to go out and get a younger guy to be your bench coach who can kind of like relate to some of the younger dudes on the roster. So it's just, it's just a stepping stone. It, it's just a learning process. It's just a coaching job. It's another coach out there who's got a bunch of experience who can sit there and talk to guys. It kind of reminds me of the Cardinals situation with Ali Marmol, who came up and, and kind of worked. And then I believe he was a bench coach for a year or two as a younger guy sitting behind what uh, shield there and then took it over. I think it was two years after becoming the bench coach. But yeah, Ricky Weeks from all accounts, from what I've heard, feels like one of the quote-unquote rising stars in the Brewers organization. It, it really is. And I was I was a skeptical and shocked when I first heard he was coming back as the next guy. But listen, say what you want about Ricky as a player. He didn't really live up to his number two overall pick status. But the guy did know the game. He's a really smart dude and, and knew baseball. Um, so it doesn't shock me that he went this route. And, and listen, look at, look at Craig Council. I mean, he wasn't exactly a world beating MLB player. Yeah, and look at look at some of the other guys that have made the jump. Um, so it makes sense. I think it's a good move. Um, and listen, institutional knowledge you cannot you cannot put a price on that. 
That's why the the one thing that I think stunk in it's the last couple of years no. was when they let let go when they let Eddie Cedar go. That guy was more than Craig Council. That guy was Mister Brewer. There is one I'd difference. Love see, I'd love to see him as the manager. There is one difference between Council and Weeks, though. Council would go and play any position they asked him to. <laughs> he was flexible. Ricky Weeks, not so much. There's there's well there's a reason for that. Craig Council could do that. Ricky could not. Ricky and. He wasn't. Listen, it takes for a guy to come out and say, "You know what? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good at that. I'm not, I'm not going to do I don't well." Think he said that. I wasn't good at. He said, "I'm not going to do that." Uh, well, he had a reason to. I mean, he knew he wasn't good at it. I mean, this wasn't like they walked up to him one day and said, "Hey, go do this." Do you know that for and a fact? Said, no. Yes. No. I mean, there was there was time in spring training where they would work him out there, and he did not look good. Well, I think it was the Cubs that <clears throat> that grabbed Kyle Schwarber, and they're like, "You're not good at catching." And then his, "Why don't you try the outfield?" And his response was, "I'm not good at the outfield either." Andrew, what are you good yeah. at? What are you? That's best? why we have a DH at? now. What are you best at, Andrew? Uh, bad decisions. <laughs> All right. So if I were to ask you to make good decisions, you would say no, like Ricky Weeks. Exactly. That a boy, because I like to make bad decisions too. Stay sober and go to bed. It's a school night. The hell with that? Nope, not doing it. Nope. No, 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 no. Oh, Andrew, before no. I let you go, should we, we be worried about the Milwaukee Bucks? I know they got a win last night, but uh, let's see here. You got um, Jay Crowder out for two months. Um, people wanted to fire Adrian Griffin already. Any worries about the Bucks? <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't look good right now, but it's the NBA, so we know, we know that it just doesn't matter. Hey. They're 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 Correct. still undefeated in the NBA Cup competition. I think that's where the emphasis should be, right? One and zero, baby. I think the next winning one's... that winning that in season tournament. Yeah, we're so jacked up for that in season tournament. Abo, when's the next game? Uh, the next, I just looked it up. The next in season tournament game will be Friday Can't against the wait. Hornets in group stage Can't play. Wait. Who, baby? I want I want one of those sideline shirts that just says NBA in season tournament because nothing encapsulates the sheer pointlessness of this venture more than those shirts. Like I just don't get it. Out of Chicago should like be suing the NBA for these things. Well, people are like, it's an excitement in the regular season. Who's excited about it? Even the players don't even know what's going on. Who's excited about no. it? It's, it's just, no, I mean, it, it, the like a, don't look here's the right difference. Now, they but... make the courts look all wacky with, with yeah. crazy colors. That's what they do. It actually made me turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> this is too colorful. Yeah, I'm like, I don't like looking Search at the this. eyes. It's like when you turn on and it's accidentally like a ESPNU game with Eastern <laughs> Washington in the red field. It's like, uh, get this off. It burns. Robbie, I, the, the big question, as you're my financial advisor. And oh, he's hot right now. He's hot. How does, how does the, um, the flip of counsel to the Cubs affect investing in NL Central Futures? Well, the Brewers definitely became a longer shot here. <laughs> I think the Cubs are the clear favorite, but I'm curious to see what the Cardinals do. Yeah, you can't expect them to be down for too long. No. Uh, speaking of down, before I let you go, Andrew, um, I think you're um, not the the fondest of Packers or Wisconsin football, if I remember correctly. Wait. Yeah, well, that's what you get for stealing my coach. So we love it that's so the far? curse. That's the the Bearcat curse has been placed upon Luke Pickle. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot you're a Cincinnati guy. <laughs> Andrew. I'll be, I'm going to be bitter. I, I guess that I would be bitter for one year, and then I'll go back to rooting for him again, provided they actually figure out a way to finally beat Ohio State. But, hey, let me tell you, I'm, I'm just wholly impressed with what I've seen so far from the Badgers. Andrew, never change. We love you. How can we find your work? Forbes.com by Andrew Wagner on Twitter. You got it. Hey, you go get them, baby. Go crack a beer for me. Sounds like a plan. Take care, fellas. <laughs> See you, buddy. See you, Andrew. <laughs> he is one funny bastard, isn't he? What did he call Craig Council? An egomaniac? No better than a politician? <laughs> Matt LaFleur, Packers head coach. A little testy on the podium yesterday. Getting a little, uh, a little salty with reporters. Uh, is actually... Now, usually um, it was a Jason Wildey question. Usually those questions are very, um, 
soft and and pandering to the organization and uh, uh, just kind of butt kissing. This actually was a, a, a comment, a question that got Matt LaFleur unhinged a little bit. And he got on the podium and kind of unloaded, and he had his voice crackling a little bit. So LaFleur um, was talking about defending the run and nickel defense, and he did not like what the question was involving. He called uh, it comical, baffling, and that people exposed themselves when they uh, kind of criticized the Packers for having two down linemen defending the run and nickel. LaFleur kind of went after a little bit. Let's, uh, I'm going to play it here. Take a listen. There were a couple instances where you guys were in nickel with the two down linemen, and they, there were a couple. Of that is baffling to me when people talk nickel defense and they talk about two down linemen because I don't know what that means. You've got two true down linemen. You've got two inside linebackers. So got outside two- linebackers, just so you know how us in this profession view outside linebackers, when you go to nickel defense, they're defensive ends. Okay. And we have some of the bigger outside linebackers in this league. So I think it's comical when I hear people talk about, oh, they have two down linemen. I'm like, to me, people are exposing themselves when they say that. Like, there's four defensive linemen on the field. When we go out there, basically, when we play teams, 3-4 defense is not something new, right? That is our base defense. But when you go nickel defense... Those outside linebackers become defensive ends. And the way we always judge it is, would you want a running back blocking that guy? Would you want a running back blocking Preston Smith? Would you want a running back blocking Rashawn Gary? The answer is usually no. So they are defensive linemen. Okay, so I was just going to have a field day with that tomorrow for me. Um, so you you felt good about your personnel. I'm just going to stop right there. Uh, Rowdy, I think the follow-up question would be then, okay, Matt, if you're baffled and people exposed by themselves, why did you get absolutely carved up by the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday doing it? Why did your rush defense just get annihilated then? Well, we've seen the Green Bay Packers running this 3-4 defense for a while now, and it feels like every time where they go with the two down linemen and the two outside linebackers, they get run on. Oh yeah. And the Packers have been able to be run on for 10, 15 plus years. Now I'll just say, can you do this for me real quick? When you think of some of the best edge rushers that come out of a three, four defense, you think of like JJ Watt Mm -hmm. or sorry, not JJ Watt, TJ Watt. Mm -hmm. Tell me how big TJ Watt is. What is he like? Six, four, two eighty, something like that. It's two six. What is he? I'm going to guess about 6'3", 245 pounds. He is 6'4", 251. Okay, so he's about 250. Now let's go to one of the better 4'3", I guess you would say defensive end rushers, Nick Bosa. Because I'm going to guess Nick Bosa's like 6'3", or 4", and he's probably about 290 pounds. 6'4", 260, 267, excuse me. He's a little smaller than I thought. But basically, that's that's the difference here. We're talking about almost twenty pounds between the difference in a four-three guy with his hand on the on the ground versus a guy that's standing that's rushing the passer. Now, I will agree with Matt Lafleur when he has Preston Smith and he has Rashawn Gary, who are supposed to be the top two of your outside linebacker rotations. Those are some bigger guys. That Rashawn Gary was a 4-3 defensive end with his hand on the ground before they changed him to an outside linebacker. So I'll agree with him there. But one thing is you still get run on. Like, it's it's still being run on every single time. And it's not even like a Matt LaFleur thing. This was a Mike McCarthy thing before that. Since they brought in the 3-4, yeah, they might be better at uh, pass rushing, but they have got they can't stop the run. They can't. So... On the run. When's the last time they stopped the run? Like maybe like a four three with Nick Barnett, and maybe maybe like an AJ Hawk, Dude, like early early AJ Hawk. wasn't it? Wasn't it like the middle two thousands, late later two? Like didn't we figure that out before? It was definitely before the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say it was like the four three, the base four three defense with the Packers with like Nick Barnett at middle linebacker. I think we figured that out. It was. I think you pinpointed to Nick Barnett. So, Rowdy, the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example. So, LaFleur's getting all pissed off on the podium right there. 
Pittsburgh entered the game on Sunday 24th in rushing offense, averaging at 90.5 yards per game. So they finished. Let's see here. They rushed for 205 yards. They had a field day running the ball. In fact, in the first quarter, the announcer was like, I'm liking these both offenses. The Pittsburgh Steelers established the run to set up the pass, and the uh, Packers set up the pass, to, uh, did the pass to set up the run. Steelers had their way on the ground, dude. Like, no, LaFleur, well, you got exposed. Well, Joe Barry, you got in exposed. In the first quarter, Pittsburgh scored 14 points. The Pittsburgh Steelers were averaging 6.9 points in the first half. They scored 14 in the first quarter against the Packers. And to your point about, you know, running all over Green Bay, if you had never watched the Pittsburgh Steelers this year and I sat here and told you that Najee Harris was washed up and he's a shell of what he was like two, three years ago, you would have laughed at me and like, you're like, this guy stinks. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And he hasn't run the ball well the entire year. You mentioned it. They don't even average a hundred yards on the ground. They're one of the lesser teams in the NFL when it comes to consistently running the football. Well, they ran it well against you. Najee Harris didn't look washed up. Yeah. Brody, if you were to tell me going into the game or not knowing that the Pittsburgh Steelers averaged 90.5 yards per game. And then I watched what happened there in Pittsburgh against the Packers. I would have said the same thing. You said, you're lying. You mean, you mean they averaged 90.5 yards per game running and they're 24th in rushing offense? Doesn't look like it. They're a juggernaut on Sunday. LaFleur, oh, I'm baffled by it. People expose themselves. You're, you're idiots, basically, for saying that. Oh, LaFleur. Um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up from the podium. Well, when yesterday. you don't have great defensive lines... Because over the years, we've always been talking, you know, man, this has probably been a while, too, since the, the Packers have had a really good defensive line, right? Now, they're really young. They're really, really young up front. But you look at those guys outside of Kenny Clark, who's eating a ton of blockers up front, like on the defensive line? Colby Wooden was their draft pick out of uh, Auburn. He was kind of a tweener. It's like, is he a D end or is he an outside linebacker? What is he? You have Carl Brooks, who for being a guy that can play inside, it was, he can play inside at nose tackle. He can play D end. Maybe we could stretch him out to an outside linebacker, but he's again, he's a tweener for what you need him to do on the uh, the defensive line, and they weren't sure. They were going to play around and see where he fits best. Yeah. Lucas Van Ness, same thing. He could have been like a – he was more of an outside linebacker at, at – uh, or sorry, he was more of a hand-on-the-ground type guy at Iowa. Now is he an outside linebacker? Is he a defensive end? Like they're all three of those guys were kind of tweeners, and they were going to just kind of play with it and see where they fit the best, and they're all rookies and – Obviously, outside of Lucas Van Ness, those other couple guys were were mid to later round picks. Mm-hmm. Well, then you look at Devontae Wyatt, who was your first round pick out of Georgia. He's been very inconsistent his first two years, but there's a, another thing about him. He's he's undersized. He's not like it's not like he's sitting in there at three hundred and twenty five pounds. I think he goes like two ninety. So I mean, they don't have any huge hulking defensive lineman like outside of Kenny Clark, I think what Jonathan Ford might be one of the other bigger guys, but he's, he's like the, he Tradero Slayton, TJ Slayton. <laughs> he's a bigger guy, but those are the guys that are towards the end of the rotation. Yeah. yeah. And I don't Jonathan Ford was cut. And then I think re-signed to the practice squad. He was like the monster out of uh, Miami. That was like six, four, six, five, like 345 pounds. Mm-hmm. They don't have a ton of size up front. They have some talent and they have some, some young ability, but it's unproven. And it is a little undersized compared to some of these other defensive lines. And then when you do go two guys uh, on the line and two outside linebackers, you we're small to begin with. You're even smaller. Yep. And then you have four guys versus five on an offensive line. So you're already outmanned. And when you don't have some great JJ Watt type player, or TJ Watt type player, or hell, even, a you know, uh, insert some stud defensive lineman. Hey, you're just getting overmanned, overpowered. <laughs>